people in the pew in front of you, grab your notes. Uh, We're going to dig in this morning. You know, Mother's Day is ultimately about waiting. Not waiting for Mother's Day, but the time a woman finds out she's pregnant until the time that she delivers is a time of waiting. And for the father, it starts when the contractions start and until the delivery, and he's waiting anxiously for the newborn to arrive, or perhaps it's waiting for the adoption to be finalized and and hearing those words. And waiting implies that we're receiving something, or something is going to happen that we don't have now. And waiting, if you think about it, is just a difference in time. A time when we arrive at the doctor's office until the doctor sees us, where do we spend that time? In the waiting room. It's just a matter of time. It's the time we order something on Amazon and that little box with that smile shows up at our front door. It's what? It's the time of waiting. It's the time that the groom steps out at the head of the aisle and the bride makes her way around the corner and he sees her coming down the aisle. And so waiting, if you think about it, is just a difference in time. It's the time we know something is going to happen until it actually happens. Now, faith is belief in trust in the things we don't see that we know one day will come to pass. And so sometimes the waiting is anticipation. We can't wait for it to happen. When we're younger, we can't wait for Christmas. We can't wait for the end of the school year. We can't wait for graduation. And sometimes waiting is filled with apprehension. It's not anticipation, but it's fearful and it's anxious. The doctor says, I found something And I will call you when we get the test results. Have you ever noticed how long those test results come? It It can be five minutes, but it's the longest five minutes you've ever experienced. You see, faith and waiting are linked. Waiting is the time, but faith is the trust. And so this is where Habakkuk is. If you turn in your Bibles to Habakkuk chapter 2, we're just walking through this book of Habakkuk. At the beginning of the book, Habakkuk claimed, uh, complained about the injustice that he saw, where some Israelites were suffering at the hands of their own countrymen. Fellow Israelites were being unjust and unjust to other Israelites. And so Habakkuk complains about this situation. And says, Lord, don't you see that people are acting treacherously toward one another? And God says, yes, I, I, I have a plan. I'm going to bring in the Babylonians, who are far worse than the Israelites, to bring punishment upon the Israelites. And then Habakkuk stops and he asks the Lord, Lord, do you really know what you're doing? Is that really what you want to do? Won't the cure be worse than the disease? And so we see this dialogue with Habakkuk. Habakkuk sees the injustice. He sees the violence, the destruction, the, uh, the things. That his, his countrymen, these are, these are the Israelites doing to one another. And God then is going to bring in this pagan nation to bring justice. And so in this dialogue back and forth, Habakkuk asks those why questions. Why, Lord, are you silent? Why don't you see? Why aren't you doing something? And then we get to chapter 2 in verse 2. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets. And Habakkuk asked the question, the Lord answered in chapter 1. Habakkuk talks again, and the Lord now answers. Remember, Habakkuk is bracing for the Lord's answer. He's questioning God, he's interrogating God, and now God does bring an answer. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. Oh, there it is wait for it. Remember those old Heinz ketchup commercials? They would take that bottle of ketchup and they would turn it over 
anticipation. What were you doing? You were waiting for that little drop of ketchup finally to make it to the hamburger. That's the anticipation. That is what God tells Habakkuk. God tells Habakkuk, this is like Heinz ketchup. You need to wait for it. If it seems slow, wait for it. But it will surely come. It will not delay. Now, does God have schizophrenia or what? He says, wait for it, but it's not going to delay. Wait for it, but it's not going to delay. So there's this tension between waiting for it, but there's a delay, and the delay is always much longer than we want it to be. Behold, God talks about the Babylonians. His soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol. Like death, he never has enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collapses, collects as his own all people. And so God says, look, there's, I'm talking about two different kinds of people here. He wants Habakkuk to write it down. And when you write it down, when they read it, they're going to run and give the message. That's what he says. He says, make it plain, write it in large letters so people can read it. And so that he may run who reads it. Because what happens when we find out about this destruction coming, we are going to run and warn our fellow countrymen. And so he has to write it down. And so that people will now run with this message. That was the job of the watch in verse 1 of chapter 2. And then God says this. He says, I want you to wait. It's going to take a long time for its realization. Every time God gives a word, there's always a time of waiting. There's always a certain degree of patience when it comes to God. And, And boy, that just irritates us, doesn't it? Like, we want God to do it now. We always want God to say it and then do it. We want him to be instantaneous, God. But when you've been around with no beginning and no end, there's no such thing as instantaneous. Yes, he'll save us in the twinkling of an eye. Yes, he can do things. But God is working on the long curve of history. God is all the time in the world. So he's waiting to bring this to to pass. But God's revelation will not prove false. What God says is this. You can trust my word. If I say it's going to happen, it is going to happen. Babylon is going to come and bring the doom to Jerusalem and Judah. And he's going to do what he said he's going to do. And so in the midst of this, he's contrasting the, the, the Babylonians who, in fact, in Daniel chapter 2, it talks about Babylon. One of the reasons that it fell was because they liked to drink a lot. Belshazzar. Remember he was holding a feast in Daniel and there was a handwriting on the wall. They were all just sloshed. And so wine is a traitor. And he says, but this, this Babylonians are greedy. Like Sheol, it never has enough. Sheol is a place of the dead. There has never been a cemetery ever that says, you know, we've have, we have enough. No more deaths. Nobody's going to die ever again. What happens when the cemetery fills up? We have to find another one. Because just like Sheol, God says, Here's, this is how Babylon is. They never have enough. Look what they're doing. They're gathering for themselves all nations. They are uh, taking pillaging nations. They're conquering nations. Collecting at his own all peoples. And so just the Babylonians never has enough. And guess what? You're going to be swallowed up in that. But in the midst of this, in the midst of this, God gives us a a message for us. In fact, the writer of Hebrews, and this verse is on your notes, the writer of Hebrews refers to this verse in Habakkuk. Hebrews 10.37, for just a little while, he who is coming will come and not delay. Now, we have to stop there just for a little while. The writer of Hebrews says what? In just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. Who's he talking about? Jesus. How many years ago was that written? 2,000 years. 
See, there's the waiting. You have to wait for it. The writer of Hebrews says, in just a little while, he will come. So there's waiting. There's a, there's a promise given, and then there's this delay, and the delay is the waiting. And my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. You see, there is, a, there is a message for us as we wait. No matter how slowly the fulfillment of God's word seems to be, it will come in God's appointed time, and then it will come with sudden finality. And so God says, wait for it. It's going to take at least 20 years for this prophecy to come to fruition. About 20 years from the time that God says to Habakkuk, Habakkuk, I've got this, I, I see all the injustice, I'm going to bring the Babylonians in and they're going to destroy the, the people that are being treacherous, but it's going to take 20 years. And you know what's going to happen during that time? There's going to be people that are going to scoff. Habakkuk, you didn't know what you were talking about. It's been five years and it's not happened yet. Habakkuk, it's been now 15 years. You're, you are crazy. You know, this happens to people in Scripture. Remember Noah? He was building the ark and the scoffers came. It's taken a long time, but he kept faithfully doing what God called him to do. And so the scoffers would come. And so God's encouragement is this, to wait in patience and faith. What are you waiting for now? What's, what's, what's in your life right now that you're waiting? There's just this waiting time. We all have them. We all have... It doesn't mean that things are necessarily bad, but we're just waiting for maybe things to get better than they are. They're not terrible, but I just want them to get better. Maybe you're waiting to get through school or waiting to graduate or just waiting for a job offer, waiting for a relationship. We're all, we're all waiting in some way or another. And so in the midst of this, God encourages us because he encouraged Habakkuk that this terrible thing, this waiting of apprehension that you have is going to come. But here's what I want you to do. The righteous, the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith is what he tells Habakkuk in verse 4 of chapter 2. The righteous will live by faith. Part of God's reply is this, Habakkuk, I know you don't understand. I know you don't understand how I'm going to use the Babylonians to come and bring justice. Those evil Horrible people. And next week, we're going to look at just some of the awful things the Babylonians have done and still how the Lord encourages us. When we look around and we see the world and all the terrible things that are happening, the Lord says, Habakkuk, I know you don't understand this, but you have to trust me. I've got this. And what is that thing we call trust? It's called faith. And Paul Paul in Romans quotes this verse, Romans 1.17. Look at it on your notes. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from what? First to last, just as it is written. The righteous will what? Tell me, church, will live by faith. Why don't we? We live by fear. We live by worry. We live by anxiousness. We live by fixing it. We live by all kinds of things, but we very rarely live by faith. In fact, Romans 117 is the golden text of the whole book of Romans. That the message to Habakkuk was, was, a, was the one that Paul picked up on to write about Romans in Romans. You see, in the original context, God was telling Habakkuk, you need to trust my providence and the temporal fate of the nation of Israel. And so he says, you, you need to live by faith in this in-between time, in this, in this waiting time. And the waiting often is apprehensive. That's where Habakkuk is. It's his apprehension of something terrible that's going to happen. And so God says to Habakkuk, I want you to wait by faith. 
Now, it's not clear whether he means to wait by faith as a lifestyle or to wait by faith as a promise, but we're going to look at both of those today because they both are instructive for what we do in the waiting. Here's what God's promising Habakkuk. You are going to have deliverance from this threat that you see. But the way it's going to be realized is you need to live by faith. And so one of the ways that living by faith is used is that it's an admonition. An admonition is something that you do. It's an instruction. And so the admonition is this, that the righteous should conduct their lives by faith or by, by faithfulness. It's, it's how we live. This is the faith that trusts God with the daily life. I get up today and I live by faith. I am faithful. You know, faith is a part of everyday living. When you are ill... You go to a doctor whose name you can't pronounce. He gives you a prescription that you cannot read. You take it to a pharmacist that you've never seen. He gives you the medication that you do not understand, and yet you take it. Now that's living by faith. And we do that all the time. In fact, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Paul writes in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by what? Faith in the Son of God who loved me. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand the universe was created by the word of God. Were you there when God created the universe? No. We live by faith. We weren't there to observe it. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And in Hebrews chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews is setting up this great hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. You need to go home today and read Hebrews 11. It's that great hall of faith. Here are things that people did by faith. Abel offered a sacrifice. Abraham moved, didn't know where he was going. Abraham offered his son as a sacrifice. Moses chosen, chose to be mistreated. The people crossed the Red Sea in faith. And then writer Hebrews says they conquered kingdoms, they enforced justice, they obtained promises, they stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, made strong out of weakness. Others were suffered, sown, sawed into, killed with the sword. They wandered in desert. What they do? All by faith. You see, faith is the thing that gets us moving. Faith isn't just sitting around agreeing with God about what he says, but faith is an action. It's, it's a believing, it, or the Bible says, or the word is faithfulness. You might have a footnote that it can be translated, translated both ways. It's, it's faithfulness. It's, it's walking with God and not giving up on God no matter what is happening in my life. Isn't it easy just to want to walk away? We say, Lord, why have you been so slow fulfilling a promise or a desire in my life, I'm done. I'm just going to do what I want to do. You see, faithfulness means, no matter what's happening in life, and no matter how hard, how hard life gets, that we still don't give up. We don't say, what's the use? I'm just going to go sin. I'm just going to go out and partay. Lord, you didn't come through. I'm just going to walk out. I'm going to give up on you because you didn't come through. That's where Habakkuk is, and maybe you're there as well. Lord, why isn't this happening? And the writer, God, tells through Habakkuk, you live by faithfulness. You do the right thing, even though the world is doing the wrong thing. You live faithfully day by day by day. Martin Luther said, faith sees the invisible, believes the incredible, and receives the impossible. Then it accepts the impossible, does without the indispensable and bears the intolerable. And sometimes faith is just bearing the intolerable. It's just doing 
the right thing, regardless of what's happening around me. It's no excuse to give up. In fact, in Luke chapter 18, Jesus taught a parable about why we should pray and never give up. And in Luke chapter 18, he talks and he he summarizes this parable. He says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? And some of us are like, yeah, Lord, it kind of feels like you've been putting me off a little bit. I tell you, Jesus said, he will see that they get justice and quickly. There's that word again. Oh, man. Habakkuk says he's not going to delay, and now Jesus says quickly, but it's quickly according to who? God's timetable. However, Jesus says this, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? You know what God, Jesus is looking for when he comes? Your faith. Not your comfort. Not that everything worked out the way that you wanted it to. What's what's Jesus looking for? He's looking for our our faithfulness. Is that we are true to him regardless of what happens in life. D.L. Moody used to tell the story of a man who went to, wanted to enlist in war. And the man said, my mother, seeing I was re, uh, resolved to go to war, said, if I became a Christian, I might go. She pleaded and prayed that I might become a Christian, but I wouldn't. I said, when the war was over, I would become a Christian, but not until then. All her pleading was in vain, he said. And at last, when I was going away, she took out a watch and said, My son, your father left this to me when he died. Take it. And I want you to remember that every day at 12 o'clock, your mother will be praying for you. And she gave me her Bible and marked out some passages and put a few different references in the flyleaf. I took the watch and the Bible just because my mother gave them to me. I never intended to read the Bible I went off to war, and one day, while on a long, weary march, I took out my watch, and it was 12 o'clock. I had been gone four months, but I remembered that my mother at that hour was praying for me. Something prompted me to ask the officer to relieve me for a little while, and I stepped behind a tree, and I cried out to the Lord for the first time. The faithfulness of a mother to do the thing every day that she said she was going to do. That's what Habakkuk is telling us. When it says the righteous will live by faith, what does that mean? It means we are faithful. We are just faithful no matter what happens, no matter what comes our way. We will love God. We will serve God. We will avoid sin. We will do all the things that we know that we're supposed to do and never use our circumstances as an excuse. Say, well, Lord, you don't understand. Times are tough. I needed to cheat a little bit over here because you just don't understand. And God's like, I totally get it. Have you read Habakkuk lately? I get it. But I'm not excusing you just because times are tough. You live by what? By faith. You are faithful. You do the thing no matter what's going on. Well, that's the admonition. But another way to look by, uh, by faith is this. It's a promise that the righteous, and who are the righteous? The righteous are doing the right things. They're living in a right relationship, right? They're, they're doing the thing that God wants them to do. And so in the, in the New Testament, gospel preserved alive or will live means much more than it did to Habakkuk in the face of the Babylonian threat. What it meant to Habakkuk was this. We want to get out of this thing alive. Whew. When those Babylonians come in and they start destroying and they start killing I want, to live, I want to live and just get out alive. But in the New Testament gospel, it means much more than just getting out of the Babylonian invasion alive. What it means is, is that we will be received into eternal life when we live by faith. God's new covenant teachings are lifted on a higher plane than the old covenant. To Habakkuk, the live by faith was, Habakkuk, you're, some of you are going to survive. 
you are going to get out of this. But in the New Testament, living by faith means we have eternal life by what? By faith. Galatians 3.11, Paul quotes, he says, It's evident that no one is justified before God by the law. Why? For the righteous shall live by faith. So under law, we don't find eternal life, but by under faith, we find eternal life. It's the faith that trusts God with eternal life. The admonition is live by faith for daily life, but the promise is you live by faith, you'll have eternal life. In Romans 3, in Romans 5, in Galatians 2, Paul over and over and over says this, we know that we are not justified by works of the law, but we are justified by faith. And why is it by faith? We think, why by faith? Here's why it's by faith. It's because we are trusting someone that we can't see to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Every newborn mom has that terrifying moment of by faith. She's home from the hospital, hasn't been out very much. The baby's getting older, maybe six months, maybe six years. It doesn't, that's hard to tell. And they decide that we're going to go out for a date. And so by faith is what? We have to pick up the phone and call someone, friend, family, relative, to watch our baby. So what do they do? On the counter is a list of every cell phone number, every email address, every doctor they've ever visited, the medical card, the prescriptions, the name of all of our relatives, our address, 911, the GPS location, the restaurant we're going, the phone number at the restaurant, the maitre d' at the restaurant, the address of the restaurant. And oh, by the way, here is another way you can contact me if you had to. Okay, we're going. Come on, honey. I know, but what's, what are we doing? We are by faith handing the baby over to someone. Now, we're at the restaurant. What happens? The phone is on the table. The volume is turned up, and I'm glancing at the phone. Well, maybe we should call home to see how Junior is doing. Honey, it's going to be all right. I know, but I just want to call home. He gets fussy sometimes. doesn't take us. I know, but it's, why? it's by faith, right? We're trusting someone we can't see. And in our minds, we're thinking worst-case scenario, right? House is burning down, tornado blew the thing away, car went through the front door, and you get home and everything's fine. Why? Because now I can see it. But in that in-between time, it's by faith. And that's why it's by faith that we please God, because we can't see God. He is the God who is spirit. We can't even see Jesus anymore. He ascended back to heaven 2,000 years ago. And so now we have an invisible God, an invisible Holy Spirit in us. And so we are trusting in someone that we cannot see to save ourselves. It's much easier to do it ourselves. Oh, man. It's much easier to try to fix the things ourselves than to trust someone else to do it. That's why it is by faith. Faith is the means of our salvation because God is asking us to trust him. Habakkuk says, Lord, you don't understand. I see all this that's happening. Why don't you do something about it? God says, I'm going to do something about it. God says, I'm not sure I like that idea. And what does God say? Habakkuk, you're going to have to trust me. What does God say to us? You're going to have to trust me with this. I know you want to fix it. And I know you think by worrying you're going to fix it. And I know you think by being anxious you're going to fix it. And I know that by trying to do it yourself you're going to fix it. But we know it always makes things worse. And so what what God tells Habakkuk is what he's telling us today. What does he say? You need to trust me. You just need to trust me. Just like a newborn uh, mom and dad uh, handing the child over to be watched for the first time. We're going to have to trust. We're going to have to have faith. 
That's why the righteous will live by faith. We will have eternal life by faith. God says, you're going to have to trust me on this. The gospel is, you can't earn it. You can't be good enough because you've already blown it. But you're going to have to trust me. There was one who did it perfectly. His name was Jesus. And if you have faith in him, the penalty that was due you will be placed on him. And there'll be no penalty for you. And then you'll have eternal life. But Lord, I want to do it myself. I want to be a good person. I want to give to the poor. I want to help out. God's like, that, 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 those things are good. You were created for good works. You're supposed to do those things. Those are, yes, those are things I require. But listen, that's not going to make the cut. It is by faith. You need to, you need to trust me. You see, in the Bible, commands are obeyed, but promises are believed. And we need to understand this. Commands are obeyed. When God says, do something, we do it. But the promises that God gives us are to be believed. Why are they believed? Because we don't see them yet. A promise is something that is coming, but that we don't see. Remember, waiting is the time between when we find out something and when we receive it. And so the Bible says that when you are in Jesus Christ, you will have eternal life. Do you, have, do you see that? Well, we are in the kingdom now, but we're not really going to see that until either Jesus returns or we die to go be with the Lord. And so it's, it's waiting in faith. I believe the promise that Jesus said... If you come to me, and Paul says over and over that you will be justified by faith, that I believe that promise, I hold on to it, and there's a waiting time. It's like God told Habakkuk. God says to Habakkuk, if it seems slow, what do you do? Wait for it. Don't give up. Don't try to do it yourself. It will come, God says. It will come at its appointed time. When God decides for it to happen, it's going to happen. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to help God out a little bit. And I bet you do too. So God says, it's going to come at the appointed time. And I say, yes, Lord, it is the appointed time. I would like it to come at, on May 13th at 4 p.m. That would be a great time. And I'm like Habakkuk, trying to say, God, are you sure you understand all this? Are you sure you got this all figured out? God says, at the appointed time, it's going to come. You are to walk by faith. And I just want to help God out and say, Lord, you're kind of slow. Here's, how, here's when I would like it to happen. And God says, it's not by faith. If you know when it's going to happen on the specific day, hour, and time, it's only by faith as you live looking forward to my promise. You see, the message of Habakkuk is this, is that the right way to live, the righteous way to live, is by faith in God. Here's what Habakkuk tells us. The future doesn't lie with the passing empires of the world, but with the glory of God. Lasting victory isn't won by armed strength or even by religion. The victory is God's, and he will share it with his faithful people. Those who serve God now are on the right track, because knowing God is the only thing that will survive in the end. That's why Paul quoted this verse in Romans and Galatians. By faith is an admonition. You live this way, and it's a promise that you will receive eternal life. So in the waiting time, we have faith, and we live. Martin Luther said, faith does not operate in the realm of the, uh, does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. 
problem is we overestimate our power. My power is really here, but I think it's out here. And so what happens is I'm cutting off this much faith. I really can't do it out here. I can really only do it here, but I think I can do it out here. And so in between time, I'm missing out on the faith and the righteousness, live, the right living by faith. Here's the message of Habakkuk, that those who are right with God in a righteous relationship with him, we live by what? By faith and not by sight. And the message of Habakkuk is this. It, I'm using the, the, the empires of the world to bring justice, but your hope isn't in the empires of the world. Where's the Babylonian empire today? Where's the Roman Empire today? Where's the Greek Empire today? Where's the Persian Empire today? Where's the, the, the Empire of the Medes? Where's the Egyptian Empire? Those are all gone, but you know who's still here? God. His righteous people, they live by faith. It's not the temporary circumstances of life. It's not the temporary circumstances of history, but it's a right living by faith in God that you will live eternally. Look, I am looking forward to being here, to being, living eternally past even the, the history of the world. When Jesus returns, it's all going to be renovated. The new heavens and the new earth. And we are going to live for it. None of this is going to be here. And the message of Habakkuk is, when you live by faith, you will see it. You will, be, you will live by faith. What are you doing in your waiting room? What are you waiting for? Like, what's the thing in your life that you're just waiting for? But, but what are you doing while you're waiting? Jesus said, when I come, I want to find faith. Are you living by faith? Every day being faithful to God to do, this, do the thing that God requires, no matter what's happening in life, no matter what the circumstances are in life. I can't imagine us getting to heaven and we see the glory and God says, you know that thing you were worried about? Where is it now? Oh, yeah. That was just temporary. Think about all the things we worry about. They generally don't happen to the degree that we think they're going to happen. And most of the times they don't happen at all. And we waste our lives worrying and frustrating and God says, I got this. I find myself a little bit too much like Habakkuk at times. I want to help God out a little bit and say, Lord, I'm not so sure you understand this. I'm not so sure that you really have this. There was a tightrope walker, famous in Paris for doing feats on the high wire. And there was a promoter in the United States that wanted to bring this tightrope walker to the United States to make lots of money. And so they strung a thin cable over the most dangerous part of Niagara Falls. And so the tightrope walker went to the Canadian side and made his way to the American side, blindfolded on the tightrope, pushing a wheelbarrow across the tightrope. He gets to the other side, and he says to the promoter, he says, do you believe I can do this? The promoter says, well, yes, I, can be I believe you can do that. I just saw you do it. The tightrope walker said, no, 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 no. Do you really believe I can do this? And the promoter said, well, yes, I really, really believe that you can do this. And the tightrope walker says, good, then you get in the wheelbarrow for my return trip. Listen, there is a difference between believing in Jesus and getting in the wheelbarrow. And most of us are good at believing in Jesus. 
Yes, Jesus, I believe you can do this, but we won't get in the wheelbarrow. Getting in the wheelbarrow is faith. That is faith in Jesus. And so some of us are looking and we say, yes, Lord, I understand the dynamics of a wheelbarrow. I understand the tension of the rope. I believe you can do it, but uh, 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 I'm not getting in that thing for nothing. That is not living by faith. Faith is the blindfolded tightrope walker of Jesus going across the dangerous falls of life, riding in the wheelbarrow and enjoying the trip. That's walking by faith. And some of us are not experiencing the walking by faith and the living by faith is because we know all about Jesus, but we're not trusting him. That's the difference between believing that Jesus can do something and believing in Jesus. Yes, Jesus, I believe that you can do it. I'm not so sure I want to believe in you. You see, I don't believe in Jesus until I get into the wheelbarrow. So maybe you're stuck. Maybe you're waiting and you know all these things about Jesus and you're just saying, Lord, I don't understand. And Jesus says, are you going to trust me? That's what faith is. Faith is trusting God that he knows what he's doing. Faith is trusting God for the outcome. Faith is trusting God even though I don't know how he is going to do it. And all he asks you is this. Are you willing to get into the wheelbarrow? It's risky and it's scary, but I guarantee you, you're going to have the ride of your life. In John chapter 16, Jesus encourages us because we're in that waiting time as well. Habakkuk was waiting for the invasion by the Babylonians, and we're waiting for Jesus' return. We're waiting for everything to kind of be set straight. And so in John chapter 16, in verse 20, Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will, you will weep and lament. This was the night before he was crucified. And he says, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. See what Jesus is doing? Jesus is saying, you're going to have sorrow... There's, there's, there's a time when things are not going to go well, but then that's going to be turned into joy, into joy. He said, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. <laughs> um, you know, labor pains from Genesis 3, right? Those are still real, right, ladies? And it's not like, hey, this is fun. It's like, get this thing out of me now. The most gentle, nice woman becomes... Uh, whatever during that time. And that's what Jesus says in a moment, right? It's painful. And he says this, when a woman is given birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But listen to this. When she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human has been born into the world. So also, Jesus says, you will have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. Now, Jesus was talking about the disciples not seeing him for three days as he was buried, crucified and buried. But on Easter Sunday morning, what happened? He rose from the dead and he has joy. But he says the same thing to us. He says, I will see you again. If you are in Christ, if you are living by faith, Jesus says your sorrow, whatever that sorrow is now in life, whatever that waiting is now in life, whatever the pain, whatever the anguish is right now in your life, that will be turned to joy. Sorrow may last for a night, but what comes in the morning? Joy. 
not be tomorrow morning. It may not be 20 years worth of mornings from now, but it will happen because God is faithful. Will you trust Jesus? Will you live by faith? Will you get into the wheelbarrow? Will you believe in him and get in? It's the trust that will see you through the trials. That's what he tells Habakkuk. He says, Habakkuk, I've got this. I know you don't understand how I'm going to do this. I know you don't think I'm going to deliver you safely to the other side. I know you don't think I can, but I can and I will. You just need to trust me. Those famous last words we hear from people sometimes, just trust me on this. doesn't always work out so well, does it? But with God, it always works out. Because he's God. Maybe you're in that waiting room today. Maybe you're in that place and you feel like Habakkuk and you're like, Lord, you're not taking my advice. You're not working this out as fast as I'd like you to. And God says this, I have this. I want you to live by faith. I want you to get into the wheelbarrow and I want you to trust me to take you where I need you to go. Would you do that this morning? Would you trust Jesus with whatever it is in your life, even though you're discouraged and it's taking way too long and you don't think that it's ever going to happen and it looks like God's never going to keep his word? What does the Bible say? The Bible says when Jesus comes, what's he want to do? He wants to find our faith, our trusting. When Jesus comes, he wants us to be, he wants to see us sitting in this wheelbarrow ready to take a ride. That's what Jesus is looking for. Jesus, I'm trusting you with my life. Would you please stand and we're going to pray and we're going to have a time to just again give our lives to the Lord and say, Lord, I trust you. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know that you're going to make a way. I don't understand how this is going to work out, but I know you will make a way because you're God and that's who you are. Let's pray. Father, we have been so unfaithful at times, so not trusting at times, so afraid to get into the wheelbarrow. But Lord, we know that's living by faith. Father, I'm sure some of us are just wanting to give up. We say, Lord, you've been so slow and I'm trying to help you out. You're just not taking my advice. God, your response to us always is live by faith. Trust me, I've got this. Father, we're in those waiting rooms of life. We're in those times of of waiting, maybe apprehensively, about whatever it is that's coming. And like your message to Habakkuk is, live by faith. You trust me for this because I will make a way. I always make a way. So, Father, over these next few moments, may we just spiritually climb into that wheelbarrow. Say, Lord, I trust you. It's scary and it's fearful But I know this will work out because you're the one who's guiding my way. You're the one who's making the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.